It's the July 12, 2019 edition of Weekly Signals Meltdown, a reconfiguration of the last 168 hours of history, broadcasting from Studio A at KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. I'm Nathan Callahan. And I'm Mike Kaspar. And, as always, a very stupid guy who doesn't do regrets, Mahler, the fake news dog. <laughs> uh, Coming yes, up, yes. multi-stage membrane distillation. <laughs> yeah. The racial wealth gap, the tampon tax, and more. Wow. But first, yeah. did you ever eat an insect, Mike? Not knowingly. Not knowingly. Not knowingly. Would you like to try one? You got a little box of well, let me see. crickets Ooh, here. Well, I, you know, I wish they were dead. That's the only well, they thing. Are. They uh, are oh, dead. oh, okay. Oh, go. yeah, look at that. Like. Ooh, oh, my God. Have your morning croquette? Uh, morning croquette. <laughs> morning croquette. <laughs> Would you like it? No, I'm, I'm, no, I'm freaked out by it. But You're I, not going to uh, eat it. No, I don't think so. I'm going to hold out. Is this organic? Look is at this. that. Delicious croquettes. Is, mm. Oh, my God, you did. You ate mm. one. Mm. Delicious these, these, and are, uh, nutritious. Salt and vinegar croquettes. This is the future. Mm. Tell me more. Delicious. Maggot yeah. farming is a growing industry that has the potential to revolutionize the way we feed the world. And that goes with all insects. Yeah. That's because maggots, or the black soldier flies larva. Oh, this cricket's... Well, it's stuck on my teeth here. Yeah, it is. Ah. Yeah. Have a remarkable ability to transform nearly any kind of organic waste, food trash, manure, even toxic algae, into high-quality protein, leaving a smaller carbon footprint than it found. That's amazing. That I know to be true. All the mm. things you just said are true. Maggots yeah. are nature's cleaning crew. Yeah. In one year, a single acre of black soldier fly larva... Maggots can produce more protein than 3,000 acres of cattle or 130 acres of soybeans. More protein than 3,000 acres of cattle. It's like a lot of things that we're sort of coming up against now in terms of trying to save our resources, be more intelligent about the way we manage the planet. It's the yuck factor. People will not want to eat maggots. You ever look at a cow? I hear what you're saying, and I agree with you. When you start dismembering a cow, yeah. it's disgusting. It's just a bug. It is just a bug. And once I know. you fry it up. I know. I know. You I ever know. see people like stir-frying crickets? It looks kind of good. Yeah. Put in a little bit of oil yeah. and yeah. put some onions in there, yeah. a little bit of tomato. I think I'm going to find out what yeah. it tastes like, yeah. Like you, Mike, a maggot can consume twice its weight <laughs> in food each day. <laughs> yeah, Mahler, that was a cheap shot. Yeah. You're right. <laughs> On its 14-day journey from the hatching to pupa, a single larva will grow nearly an inch long and increase its weight by a factor of 10,000. God. That's like an eight-pound baby swelling to the size of a 40-ton humpback whale. That was in a Miyazaki movie, I think. Maggots are extremely high in calcium, 50 times more per gram than mealworms and crickets. And crickets are a really good protein source, too. One potential path to human consumption is by insect-based protein powders. Okay. This is where I think it really gets good. Yes. Which can be mixed with other foods. Mm-hmm. You can get cricket powder now. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of that yeah. out there. The UN, UN, United Nations, is encouraging governments and businesses to turn to insects for protein. Yeah. Yeah. 
Several companies are already doing this with crickets, as you can plainly see here. Yes, you can, I can plainly see. You can get cricket flour and cook up everything from pasta to chocolate chip cookies. I, I like the sound of this. To uh, cricket chips. You get little cricket uh, yeah. chips here. What, what, yeah, Mahler? I, I can see it now. Uh, he's... I see some problems marketing this idea. Open up a whole slew of fast food places called McMaggots. McMaggots? Yeah. Speaking of delicious snacks. Yeah. One out of every three bites of food we eat exists because of animal pollinators like bees. bees. But Trump's U.S. Department of Agriculture temporarily suspended data collection on the Honey Bee Colonies Report, the only federally overseen national survey that tracks honeybee losses and colony collapse disorder. (laughs) This is so distressing. Last winter's honeybee colony loss was the highest in 13 years. Widespread honeybee losses have been attributed to increased use of fungicide and neonicotinoid pesticides. So while you're giving tax breaks to companies that are manufacturing neonicotinoid pesticides, you're taking away any protection the public has or any data the public has to try to protect themselves from a complete colony collapse. Viruses carried by varroa mites are also to blame for uh, the collapse. Longtime beekeepers say bee lifespans have been cut in half. In 2018, the Trump administration reversed an Obama-era rule barring the use of neonicotinoids because Obama. That varro mite that you just described has been uh, identified as one of the key reasons why we're seeing bees colony collapse. They're a little mite. Yeah. And they're maybe the size of the bee's eye. Right. But they stick right on them. And And they just overwhelm them. Yeah. Now, at least we've identified these three factors that are, are causing this to happen. And you would think that the government would be interested in subsidizing like they do fossil fuel the same amounts of money in order to preserve bees and their cousins so that we are able to survive. Name one big honey company. Right, right. You know, it's big ag that should be concerned about this. That's exactly right, yeah, exactly. Most beekeepers are using their bees as pollinators, not as honey manufacturers. Right. I just can't get that statistic out of my head, and I want to repeat it every show. The subsidies given to fossil fuels are 10 times what we spend on education yeah. in this country. And every a year. times more than we spend on bees. Infinite uh, more, yeah. apparently, and just, now. Every time I think about we're subsidizing something that's destroying the planet to the tune of 10 times more than we're educating our people. Mm-hmm. It makes me crazy. The annual loss for honeybees during the year ending in April rose to 40.7%. More troubling was this past winter's losses of 37.7% because winter bees live longer. And now they're not. Clustering in the hive to keep the queen bee warm is what they do. And that's why they're not exposed to so much danger. They just all get together and have a nice little nap. Yeah. But they're dying almost at a a fast pace as uh, during the rest of the year. The winter's losses were 8.9 percentage points higher than the survey average and the highest winter loss since the annual bee survey began 13 years ago. California wildfires with bees affected by smoke and by the lack of plants, and the wet winter in the Midwest may be also partly to blame for the bee losses. There's a lot more fungicide sprayed during a really wet spring. 
so more neonicotinoids. There may be other contributing factors like uh, monocropping, which reduces forage for bees. Exactly. So you're only planting one kind of plant. The bees yeah. don't want it. Well, yeah. too bad for the bees. While climate change has worsened honeybees' plight, another threat is varroa mites, like we said. But the problem is, whatever chemical compound they spray on the varroa mites are killing the bees. <sighs> Was it Einstein that said uh, the, the disappearance of bees is a harbinger of the extinction of mankind? I think it was Mark Twain. <laughs> I, I know it was Albert Einstein, yeah. by the way. Socrates said Socrates that. Socrates said yeah, that, yeah. 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 <laughs> I, believe, I believe it was Richard Pryor who said that. It doesn't matter who said it. I know. but it, Attributions suck. All right. It's just, true. Let's, let's just go I with mean, it, the, with no bees. No, no bees. world. If this news makes you want to cry, may I recommend a donation to KUCI? Because you're listening. Just go to KUCI.org. Your generous donation is how we stay on air. Commercial free, free form, free speech radio at 88.9 FM. KUCI.org. Why is that my yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Alaska. Oh, yeah. He's telling me. Alaskan Governor Mike Dunleavy wants to cut the Alaskan university system by $130 million. That's 41% of their budget. They got less people in Alaska than they do in Rhode Island. Yeah. So it's a small state population wide, but you the take, biggest state. Yeah, it's the largest state in America. Yeah. Right. But it's 41% of their education. Yeah. I think that's because budget. Mike Dunleavy. He wants to be the smartest man in the Arctic Circle. Yeah. (laughs) Dunleavy cut the budget proposed by the Alaska legislature by almost $410 million in general funds. Almost one-third of the cuts will come from the University of Alaska system. In a shocked response, the University of Alaska system president, James Johnson, said Dunleavy's veto will strike an institutional and reputational blow from which we may likely never recover. Scott Downing, faculty senate leader at the University of Alaska Anchorage, said it's going to be devastating. The effects on programs, on the students, on staff and faculty are just going to be, it's kind of unthinkable. And one of the reasons given was that in Alaska, each resident gets a check from the state because they're generating so much oil and gas production in Alaska. It's sort of a dividend to the residents of Alaska. They get a certain amount of money every year. It used to be around $1,000 per They get a universal basic income. Exactly. Thank you. It's what they're getting money every year from the government just to live in Alaska. I think it's because they have such a crappy state. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Raise your hands if you want to live in Alaska. So they yeah. give them, a, you know, whatever it is, $1,000 a year, which over the course of a whole year is about $80 a month. Yeah. Okay. So so in in order to preserve that, because it's apparently political suicide to F with that particular fund, they would rather just completely eviscerate the ability of people in Alaska to get a good education. Then Levy defended his cuts. Yes, I'm sure he did. As a policy choice, because all during his campaign, he said... He would increase the permanent fund dividend in Alaska. That's what they call it. Uh, It sounds like a bribe to me. 
you're going to pay somebody some money so they vote for you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Make a promise, a wild promise that's impractical to actually carry out. People gravitate to it because who doesn't want yeah. money. This money? And then when it comes down to, well, should we decapitate the ability of the university to do its job or give people $80 a month? He chooses this. I think there's something inherent in conservative Republican ideology that's sort of related to this. Up until the turn of the 20th century, in the 1900s, public education was a new concept. And one of the reasons why it wasn't widely embraced was because you were taking children out of the workforce and putting them in a public education. And for a lot of people in businesses, they did not like that idea. They wanted child labor to be part of the equation for whatever they were doing. And I think there's always been sort of a visceral resistance to education within the very conservative, radical right wing of the Republican Party, the business party. Research shows a 14% increase in substance abuse incidents the day after the annual payout, so people go and celebrate, and there's little evidence that dividends actually boost the state economy. But the University of Alaska system does boost the economy. The University of Alaska system provided $714 million directly and $402 million indirectly to the statewide economy in 2012 alone. Dunleavy's budget cuts would also be a disaster for U.S. climate research. The Alaska Center for Climate Assessment and Policy at the University of Alaska Fairbanks is the primary academic center for Arctic research in the U.S. Every climate change researcher, educator, scientist, and student in the lower 48 whose work touches the American Arctic relies on the center's work. So, Dunleavy, may you burn in hell. Yeah. May you burn in a wildfire in Alaska. Remember that liberal guy we thought was going to make Mexico better, Mike? Uh, This is so, yes, this is upsetting. We thought a socialist was elected to be president of Mexico. Obrador. Obrador. Well, he digs coal. Apparently he does. Mm. He's a leftist Trump. Since taking office December 1st, President Andres Manuel López Obrador of Mexico has canceled a highly anticipated electricity auction, as well as two major transition line projects that would have carried power generated by renewable energy plants around the country. Obrador has called for more investment in coal and stood by his director of Mexico's electric utility as he dismissed wind and solar energy as unreliable and expensive. He has stood there while this guy was going on. The oil first priority reflects the heavily nationalistic economic bent of Oberdor, a leftist who was elected in a landslide last year on a platform of empowering the poor and working classes. Apparently, he wants to empower them to go into coal mines. In 2014, Oberdor's predecessor, Enrique Peña Nieto, fully opened up the country's oil, gas, and electricity sector to private investment for the first time in 70 years. On the gas side, it went to big oil, to ExxonMobil, Chevron. On the electricity side, the reform led to billions of dollars in private investment in Mexico's power sector, both in renewable energy and traditional sources like natural gas. Through a series of auctions, Mexico's state-owned utility awarded long-term power contracts to private developers, not to Chevron. Wind and solar companies won the bulk of the contracts because they offered the lowest prices in the world. Because it's cheaper than oil. 
The country's wind generation capacity jumped from 2,360 megawatts at the end of 2014 and almost doubled 5,382 megawatts this April. The numbers were even more stark in solar, which soared from 166 megawatts in 2014 to 2,900 megawatts in April. That's amazing. Yeah. Whatever happens could affect the fortunes of California-based solar companies that have invested in the Mexican market, including Pattern Energy Group and SunPower. So uh, I don't know what to think of Obrador now. <laughs> it's disappointing. Very disappointing. These are, th- these are things that... are asking you to give up coal. Right, right. These are things that when we look back in history 20 or 30, 40 years from now, when we're dealing with the full effect of climate damage, climate crisis... I hope he burns in a wildfire outside of Mexico City at this point. On the brighter side, scientists developed a single device that produces energy through photovoltaics and clean water using multi-stage membrane distillation. (laughs) The breakthrough not only unlocks new uses for solar panels, it could enable remote communities to receive both energy and water with a single installation. No additional infrastructure required. The scientists used membrane distillation to evaporate and collect water at reasonably low temperatures. A three-stage distillation unit is mounted to the rear of a standard solar panel, and as the sun hits the panel, heat that's normally dissipated is instead used to collect clean, drinkable water. So they produce both clean water and solar energy at the same time, which means that current technologies for purifying water that often consume large amounts of electricity and require infrastructure beyond the reach of many of the communities that need it uh, are not needed at all. That's right. Yeah. This has always been the promise of solar, decentralized energy capture, right? Yeah, we can depend on Edison to have huge solar farms. That's a good thing. But you have to get that electricity from... Palmdale to your house somehow, and that's where things can go a little haywire if if something happens to the grid. If you have it on your house, that's all you need. And if you throw this particular technology into the mix... Yeah, if you live in an area that has water... (laughs) Well, right, right, that's true. There's 780 million people worldwide could be impacted, positively impacted by this new technology. Yep. Almost a billion. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM, Irvine, California. Visit us at facebook.com slash KUCI 88.9. On our Tumblr blog at KUCIRadio.tumblr.com. On Twitter at KUCI FM. On Instagram at KUCI FM. Stream us live on TuneIn. And on iTunes, go to Internet College University. KUCI 88.9 FM. British Ambassador Kim Derrick resigned after his confidential emails about Trump were leaked. Is that anything like Hillary's emails leaking or the ClimateGate emails leaking? Do you think there's a connection there at all? Thank you. It seems to be the the mode of choice to bust up anti-Trump forces. Derrick privately and correctly called Trump clumsy, inept, and insecure. That's pretty tame. I'd call Trump a jackhole corksucker, but <laughs> clumsy? Now, remember, Trump's own Secretary of State called Trump a moron. Right. Trump's own Secretary of Defense called him a fifth grader. Trump's own Chief of Staff called him an idiot. Yeah. 
Trump's U.S. ambassadors have often offended the countries that they're in. That's not supposed to happen. Trump has publicly called officials in other countries stone-cold losers and said they were foolish, short, and fat. Yeah. Trump privately called poor African nations shite-hole countries. Right. By the way, it was his chief of staff called him an effing idiot. Can well, I an idiot's an idiot, whether yeah, he's yeah. effing or not. Well. <laughs> so in a clumsy, inept, and insecure response to British Ambassador Kim Derrick calling him clumsy, inept, and insecure, Trump tweeted that Derrick was wacky, a very <laughs> stupid guy, and a pompous fool. Oh. That's classy. Ew. One of Derrick's fellow European ambassadors <laughs> said, Everybody thinks Trump's an idiot. Yeah, yeah. According to our good friend Charles Pierce, this well-timed leak to the Daily Mail, one of Great Britain's more hysterical outlets coming as it does while British politics themselves are a complete mess, shows all the signs of someone creating chaos for its own sake. It also comes from someone who would like to see the alliances between the United States and Europe evaporate. I think, I think that's what you were alluding to earlier. The yeah. Russians or somebody like the Russians have who's, been hacked. Who's hacking yeah. the emails? Yeah. Well, we know the Russians hacked some yeah. of those earlier. Who, who, who leaked this information right, about right. Derek so he had to resign? <laughs> Kamala Harris is calling on the U.S. government to deal with the racial wealth gap, proposing a $100 billion federal program to help black people buy homes. Yeah, yeah Mother. That's a good deal. That's a good way to start reparations. Well, it is. It is. And in, in traditionally, one of the institutions in the United States that has been the most difficult uh, to integrate, to uh, get uh, to a point where African-American people can build assets and, and uh, uh, basically build up their own financial stability yeah. has been in the housing market, which they have been essentially shut out yeah. from, whether it be redlining by banks, whether it be real estate agents not showing people um, African-American homes in white areas, whatever it is, there's been an institutional attempt to keep black people from getting homeownership. Kamala said the plan, which would provide down payment and closing cost assistance of up to $25,000 to people renting or living in historically redlined communities would help some 4 million homeowners. A typical black family has just $10 of wealth for every $100 held by a white family. Yeah. She said, so we must right that wrong and after generations of discrimination, give black families a real shot at homeownership. Historically, one of the most powerful drivers of wealth in our country, like you said. Yeah. Harris's housing program would come in the form of U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development grants limited to families with incomes up to $100,000 or $125,000 in high-cost areas. Senator Elizabeth Warren, a fellow 2020 contender for the Democratic nomination for president, previously proposed providing down payment grants to first-time homeowners in formerly redlined, segregated, and low-income areas. Harris also pledged to work to expand HUD's fair housing program, strengthen anti-discrimination lending laws, and amend the Fair Credit Reporting Act to require that credit scores include rent, phone, and utility payments, which they should. Mm. Who's that? Ben Carson's heading up HUD now? Yeah. What has he done? Has he, he done anything? No. From The Verge. It's many years since net neutrality was repealed. Under Ajit Pai, that's the head of the FCC, the Trump FCC doesn't enforce anything anymore. 
gave away his power, so the public is screwed right now, right. the FCC. Right. When the Trump FCC repealed the 2015 open internet order because Obama, the FCC abdicated its responsibility to protect consumers and competition in the broadband market. So what are the three worst things that have happened since? The first thing happened about a year ago during the worst fire in California history. Verizon was throttling the Santa Clara County Fire Department's broadband during the fire. Fire Department asked Verizon whether it ought to be throttling during the fire. Yeah. Verizon said that it would stop throttling if the fire department paid more than double what they were paying. So your house can burn because Verizon won't help the fire department. You won't help emergency services. The fire department can't go to the FCC because your FCC abdicated their authority over broadband. Profits over people. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. Emergency services can be throttled. If you're dying at home, That's right. you call emergency. If they can't get the line through, right. you're yeah. screwed. That's right. If you're in the middle of an emergency, earthquake, fire, flood, whatever it might be, and if one of the reasons that you don't get through is because they're being throttled by a major multinational corporation whose fiduciary responsibility is to increase profit. Period. Period. We, we're losing our ability yeah. to find remedies. That's why we to, need net neutrality. That's right. The second thing that happened is when a number of mobile characters, T-Mobile, Sprint, and ATT, were found to have sold the precise geolocation data of their customers. Yeah. They know where you are, and there's nothing we can do about that's it. That's right. One of the things that can happen is companies can then sell your location to data brokers who can sell them to anyone, including bounty hunters. And say maybe your data gets mixed up with a uh, repo man's data. By the by the way, if you talk to people who are experts in the in the world of privacy protection, they will tell you that location data on you is among the most valuable pieces of information that these data brokers want. Is where are you? Yeah. Whether you're driving, you're walking, whatever it is, they want to know where you are. A third thing that happened is when a customer bought his own router and his carrier Frontier kept charging him $10 a month to rent a router. Even though he wasn't using the router, he returned the router. He had his own router, but they charged him for something that he didn't even need. The customer complained to the FCC, and the FCC told Frontier that they had to respond. So how did they respond? They said, that's too bad. Yeah. This is the change we make, and you have to continue to pay it. So under the new Trump FCC, consumers are screwed. Yeah. And from the L.A. Times, Erwin Chemerinsky and Jennifer Weisswolf say taxing tampons isn't just unfair, it's unconstitutional. If the government required that only men had to pay a tax of several hundred dollars a year solely because of their sex, that would be an unconstitutional denial of equal protection under the 14th that's Amendment. Right, that's right. But that's exactly the effect of the so-called tampon tax. Currently, residents of 35 states must pay sales tax on purchases of tampons and pads because they are not deemed necessities worthy of an exemption. I tell you what, why don't we just have some bleeding till, till we get a, a tax <laughs> exemption on tampons? Why don't we have a bleeding? A bleeding, a bleeding. If men had periods, yeah. it would be in the Bill of Rights. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. States collectively profit upwards of $150 million a year from taxing menstrual products. In California alone, women pay $20 million annually. Although many states considered creating tax exemptions this spring, only one permanent exemption was approved. 
Over the holiday weekend, that's 4th of July holiday weekend, Rhode Island Governor Raimondo signed a new state budget, which included a provision approved by the legislature to make menstrual products sales tax exempt starting in October. Back in May, uh, our governor here in California, Gavin Newsom, wrote the cost of implementing a tax exemption into our proposed budget, and it passed, but it's only good for as long as the budget goes. That's okay. two years. All right, well. In the U.S., where sales taxes are levied by each state, bills have been introduced in 32 legislatures since 2016 to exempt menstrual products from sales tax. Five succeeded. Connecticut, Florida, Illinois, and New York passed laws. But in Tennessee, after a tampon tax bill died there this year, a subsequent budget surplus was used to eliminate a gun ammunition tax. <laughs> yeah, so that's a necessity. Ammunition, uh -oh. but not tampons. Most states explicitly exempt necessities of life from sales tax. That's food and medicine are at the top of that. In some states, necessity exemptions include things like bingo supplies, cotton candy, erectile dysfunction pills, gun club memberships, and tattoos. <laughs> Menstrual products certainly rank as a necessity for most women. For much of their lives, they are essential for attending school, working, and functioning in society. The tampon tax amounts to a sex-based discrimination in violation of the Equal Protection Clause both under state and federal constitutions, making it more than merely unfair or inequitable, but unconstitutional and therefore illegal. And that's from Erwin Chemerinsky, former dean of the UCI Law School that's right. and current dean of Berkeley Law School, and Jennifer Weiswolf, founder of Period Equity. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. When do you think you'll die, Mike? The same predictor of lifespan is shared across humans and animals. Telomeres, the tiny end caps of our chromosomes, right? The end there, yeah, you know, that little yeah, yeah. coiled thing? Yeah. The end. Yeah. Telomeres seem to protect us against aging-related diseases. Anti-aging researchers suspect that slowing down how fast telomeres shrink can slow the process of aging. Previous studies on mice and humans have shown that telomere shortening is linked to aging. So we know So that. they're kind of, they've cracked the door open on figuring out how do you age. I've heard that our body should last a few hundred years based on wear and tear, normal wear and tear. But our body obviously ages. And this may be the key. I'm not going anywhere with this, so if you want to just keep talking, go ahead. I got a cricket stuck in my teeth. Yeah, right? yeah okay. Yeah. Anyway. Mmm. That's a little aftertaste. <sighs> a <Yeah>. cricket aftertaste. <laughs> the new research shows that this effect holds true for a wide variety of animal species, including birds and animals. Each time our cells divide, the telomeres protecting the DNA and their nuclei shorten. So every time it divides shortens up. Once they get too short, they can no longer keep chromosomes from unraveling. This means that over time, as telomeres shorten, cells are at greater risk of damage and death. And death. My chromosomes are unraveling. In the study, regardless of the length of the animal's telomeres, the rate where they shortened was closely correlated with the length of their lifespan. Researchers used a fluorescent technique to measure telomere lengths in cells from a group of very different animals, a lab mouse, a goat, uh, Anduin's gall. That's a kind of a, of a seagull, that Anduin's gall. Uh, reindeer, 
<laughs> uh, Griffin vulture, bottlenose dolphin, American flamingo, and Sumatran elephant. So they got a whole array of animals there. So they're looking at all of these different animals and seeing the same pattern of being. The same pattern. The oh. mouse, the shortest lived animal in the study, has an extraordinarily fast rate of telomere shrinking, about a hundred times more than a human. The telomere shortening rates of the other animals fell somewhere between those of mice and humans, and all of them correlated with their average lifespan. That's... So far, we don't have any compound that will elongate telomeres, despite what you can read on many websites, right. Noble Laureate Carol Greeter said. This is where CRISPR technology is going to come into play. I would assume that on some level, this new technology around CRISPR will afford them the opportunity to F with this particular part of our... Manipulate this yeah, particular... Yeah. Yeah. Telomere. Telomere. Cow. And by the way, for those who are looking for a visual representation, it's akin to your shoelaces. The little plastic thing that's at the end of your shoelace yeah. is a good visual for what they are in relation to your DNA. Yeah. All right. For the you visually. You know when you buy a joint? Oh, yeah. And it's in that little plastic tube? Yes. And at the very top, yes. there's a cap. There's a cap. There's a little cap. But yeah. if you pop that cap yeah. off. Yeah. Then the joint starts to disappear. It, well, it, it disappears. Yeah, I, I and it, it starts to get weaker and weaker. Yeah, yeah. And pretty soon there's no joint. You no, know, pretty soon that, that lifespan of that joint <laughs> seems to diminish very, very rapidly. It's so Exactly like that. So think of it that way. And I'm sure that they'll figure out a way to make us live forever. And finally, Delta Airlines flight attendants restrained a passenger on a flight from Puerto Rico to New York after he shouted, I am God, and claimed he would save the world. You can subscribe to the Weekly Signals Weekly Review podcast at weeklysignals.com. Weeklysignals.com. Subscribe now.